New Perspectives on Irish History, Dreams, Themes, Myth and Ecology. This series looks at Irish history from different perspectives, starting from the time when the island of Ireland was a great forest. It talks about the first inhabitants, their lifestyles, and how they differed from the world we live in today. The series seeks to give perspectives other than the military-focused accounts of previous historical series. This programme includes interviews with two people who live on Inishmore, the Aran Islands, off the coast of Ireland. Dharamalai is a Celtic druid and Padraigine Clancy a cultural guide. We also talk to George McClafferty, who is manager of the Glendalock Interpretive Centre in County Wicklow. Ocean is a voyage. This is a voyage. Ocean is a voyage. This is a voyage. A long, long voyage. Going up, up, up. Going down, down, down. I spoke to Daramalai, a Celtic druid, now living on Inishmore, one of the Aran Islands. I was very inspired by by the gospel of Jesus and by what he spoke. And um, the more I went into it to try and try and follow that vision and that dream, the more I discovered that actually uh, the people who had sort of built a system around his his teachings had um, perhaps, you know, taken the words and given them a different meaning and turned the whole thing upside down to be exactly the opposite of what he had intended. Yeah. And I discovered that instead of this this road that I had chosen to take, uh, leading to my spiritual uh, liberation, if you like, and to be true, t- truly, uh, to be true to these gospel values which he had been teaching, mm. that on the contrary, uh, I I was actually prevented from living them. So at that point, I had to deinstitutionalize myself. And when I moved to the Aran Islands, those were the words I used. I said to people, you know, they said, what are you doing out there? I said, I'm, I'm becoming deinstitutionalized. So mm-hmm. we've, we founded this magazine called The Ashling, which means a dream. Follow your dream. Um, and we, we put three principles down on it to be rooted in our own Celtic tradition to be living in a right relationship and to be working towards transformation. Those were the three themes. So linking to the past, the present and the future in each yeah. of those themes. And so the magazine was to gather together all these sort of new perspectives on whatever aspect of society people were writing about. So it was a very sort of a rainbow type magazine. So we'd write about lifestyle, about gardening, about justice issues, about e- economics, about spirituality, about church. A whole wide range of things were in the magazine and it's still available on the internet even though we no longer publish it. Then you had uh, your Kalini Lodge Pilgrim Hostel. You still have that? Yes, we still have that. Where people can come along any religion, any group, yep, and yeah. meet and discuss things. And it's like a retreat centre, yeah. Like a retreat centre. People center. follow their own their yeah. own programmes mostly. And then you had the publication Legends in the Landscape. So the landscape for you is a sacred place. Is Absolutely it? sacred place. And and the whole of Ireland is, is, is a sacred place. And we don't appreciate it as Irish people as much as people who don't live in Ireland do because it's the groups from abroad that have been reminding us of how sacred our places are. And yeah. that, that's true of the Aran Islands as well. Once we had yeah. the Norman invasion in the 12th century, mm. uh, we, lost, we lost our political power. Uh, but to some extent, we've been allowed to study that, at least at least an interpretation of what happened. Yeah. We have studied it in our, in our history courses and so on. Well, what concerns me 
is that we haven't yet really focused on the loss of our of our soul. And that's a more serious issue because that's even more fundamental to who we are. Um, and that's not that story is not told at all. Um, mm. Like how many, how many people in Ireland would would say would agree with me and say, well, when Roman Catholicism came in on the back of the Normans and mm. forced its structures on the Irish church, how many people would agree with, agree with me and say that's actually another form of colonisation? Mm. Only, only this yes. time it's yeah. colonization of our souls because yeah. now there's an author- authoritarian system coming in which wasn't there beforehand telling us how we should live our spiritual lives. Mm. And if mm. you, you can trace it back. I mean, here, here's another piece of history that maybe most Irish people wouldn't be aware of and that's the whole controversy between Pelagius and Augustine. Mm-hmm. Now you're mm. talking about the 5th century. You're going even further back. Mm. And mm. Augustine was, was coming up with this idea that we need a centralised church. We need author- an authority system of people mm. at the top who will tell us what's right and what's wrong and the rest of us should subscribe to that dogma and believe in it. And that's, the, that's what makes us Christians by believing yeah. in a dogma. Yeah. Whereas Pelagius who was a Celtic Christian, an Irish Christian, if you like, or I'm not sure he was from Ireland, but he might have been from Wales, but he was in the Celtic tradition. Um, He argued, no, that is not true. The authority is not outside yourself. Authority is within yourself. And and you find a direction for your life from within yourself. And all these outside forces can help you, but they're not where the authority lies. And this was a huge debate. Imer Burke speaks of the loss of soul characteristic of present day society. I agree. I think it's... uh, there's been a lot of soul loss in this country. And, yeah. you know, we can talk about the invasion of Rome or the invasion of the Normans or the invasion mm. of the English. I think um, we haven't done much mm. since our own independence to recover mm. uh, and retrieve that soul loss yeah. as Irish people ourselves. And there's yeah. been, when Howard mentioned earlier, you know, about the bardic notion aspect of the Druids and you know, really looking in a truthful way to history, there's been so much propaganda. And I was brought up on, you know, all the English did this and the English did that and the 800 years of Irish oppression. We have to look to our state now as since independence and how we need to retrieve our own soul loss and take responsibility for ourselves. I spoke to Padraig Ian Clancy, a tour guide in Inishmore, one of the Aran Islands. Well, I spent some of my year with Dunangasa and the rest of the time with uh, giving retreats on Irish spirituality and presentations on it. But at Dunangasa, it's a fascinating monument. Um, first of all, it's not, it doesn't go back as far as the megalithic period. It, there's lots of stones there, but it's not Stone Age. It's one of the most impressive um, forts. The Irish word for uh, Dun is fort, the Irish word for fort I should say, is dune and it's incorrectly corrupted into English as dun, Angus, but it's dune the fort of Angus, dune Angus and these forts are phenomenal these stone forts down the west coast of Ireland from Donegal in the north right down into Kerry, out onto the Iron Islands, into Clare then there's a phenomenon, they continue down into Spain, there's one or two of them on the west coast of Britain most of them are circular they, um, but one or two of them are on an inland cliff or a sea cliff. So here at Dunangasa, we have this incredible 300-foot uh, cliff with a semicircular fort on it, like in a horseshoe shape, looking yeah. out into this incredible, endless Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. People come here in their thousands to the Iron Islands to see it as part yeah. of their tours around Ireland from all over the world. We're dealing with people from 
for example, South Korea, uh, Japan, China, through the whole of Europe and right into America. So yeah. it's quite a phenomenal place to work. And um, it is, in a sense, it's a real pilgrim site, in a sense. Now, what you're walking up to see is a what goes back, uh, archaeologists have shown, is goes to the Bronze Age. So the earliest evidence for people at the cliff's top is as far back as 1500 BC. So it's post-Stone Age, post-megalithic, not as old as Newgrange and yeah. Stonehenge. Okay. goes back to 1500 BC and we have evidence for settlement at the cliff top, children and adults living there all year round at the cliff top from 1500 BC right down to 1000 AD. We know in the early Christian period the monks went out into the desert mm. of the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. to find God. Yeah. So the, th the sea always represents in our cosmology the threshold between this world and the other world. Oh. Oh. So did these people, like they, they, the sea has always been that. So that therefore, in the early Christian period, you have people coming out to the Iron Islands. You have St. Enda, oh. the oh. founding father of Irish monasticism, coming out to the desert yeah. rock of yeah. Inishmore to found yeah. a monastery. Yeah. And that then became, becomes famous. And you have Brendan the Navigator reputedly spending time there, St. Kieran who founded Clan McNoise training there, St. Cullum Kill spending time there. All of this is part of our folk tradition on the island as well. Yeah. But you have that all down the west coast of Ireland. We have the yeah. Skellig Rocks. Yeah. We have Inish Murray up in Sligo. Yeah. We, have, we go up to Torrey Island. We go over to Scotland, to Iona. So you have a huge yeah. belt there yeah. of the whole desert monasticism on this kind of desert of the Atlantic Ocean. I find it very sad that we don't know our own story. I think you cannot, you know, if a nation kind of has to have something to believe in and has to have, yeah. have has to be able to own its past, there is a whole sense in which we haven't been able, we haven't told our story, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes I feel like that we're like exiles in our own tradition. Yeah. You and I are sitting here talking English. Mm. Our ancestors in Ireland, going back a few hundred years, spoke Irish. Yeah. What happens when the people stop speaking their own language? I know from living in an Irish-speaking community that there is such a wealth within the Gaelic language that does not actually translate into English. Yeah. One of them that we see very simple is the whole tradition of blessing. Mm. There is a blessing and a prayer for every action of the day and night in, our, mm. in the Irish language. Okay. So, uh, Balo I don't think I'd pass somebody in the Iron Islands without mm. actually saying, God mm. bless your work. Do you know? Yeah. So I have found a huge richness in the Gaelic tradition, yeah. and I do feel the art of blessing. John O'Donoghue, Lord Reston, the late John O'Donoghue, yeah. who wrote Alan Carr, he spoke about how do we restore the lost art of blessing? You yeah. know, yeah. how do we bless each other? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and what consciousness do we have when we do that? And it would resonate very much with me within what I know of our tradition. Yeah. The, the island is very interesting. Um, I suppose we have a dynamic between the summer and the winter time in the sense that I would say that Halloween, which is the ancient Celtic festival, goes back into the pre-Christian period. You know, Sovin, it means in Irish, Sowin. Sovin, summer's turn, you know? Yeah. On being turn, and Sov being the summer's turn. Yeah. And it's the turn from summer. And in a way, it's very interesting. We still have that as a major festival on, our, on the island. Yeah. And it is, it is a turning point in that before Halloween, we tend to be looking out to the visitor very much. Oh. And the sea is calm. But as you get to Halloween and beyond it, you're immediately into turbulent water. So the island yeah. turns back into itself. So yeah. there's a natural turning point in terms of the experience oh. of the island people. There's also the tradition of at this threshold time that the threshold between this world and the other world collapses yeah. on yeah. the eve of Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. And so the whole other world is believed to kind of come up out through the mounds of Ireland. This is all through Ireland and it's yeah. on Ireland 
on as well. Yeah. So the other world is with us. Now, the other world includes in the Gaelic tradition everything from, if you like, the angels, the saints, Jesus and Mary, right through to the fairies, right through to the world of the dead. Yeah. So every, everything is active at that time. And yeah. the tradition is, and adults do this, yeah. and uh, they go around from door to door. We go from yeah. door to door uh, if we're in disguise. Not everyone will dress up every year, yeah. but, you know, certain amounts of community will. Yeah. And you go from door to door, and you yeah. traditionally carry a stick, and you're, you're called the pookie, yeah. which is like the ghosts in a way mm. it's called Ihan a Daivchi Ihan a Puki the night of the ghost the night of the Puka figure yeah. and you go from door to door and you bang on the door with your stick and the, the, there's the, traditionally the door is left on the latch mm. uh, so you're, the threshold is open to you yeah. the, you know very significantly you mm. walk into the house and you're in silence and you don't say anything yeah. and it's quite eerie if you're not dressed up and mm. you're in the house you mm. don't know who these people are mm. and traditionally you have something ready to give them so yeah. the people in the house, the occupants, will give yeah. something out. Yeah. Now, if you passed a house, the people would be offended. People yeah. want to be included in this, mm. you know, mm. um, communal perambulation, yeah. if you like, yeah. you know, and be yeah. included in it yeah. because it, there's some sense of luck as well. Yeah. Some people like Father Sean within there in Glenstall Abbey writing about Celtic tradition would say that these are the spirits like of the other world coming back at the end of the harvest yeah. to look for something back for yeah. all they've done for you for the yeah. year. Padraig and Clancy spoke about the importance of being centred. I call some of my programmes, I yeah. call some of my programmes returning to the well of Celtic tradition. And I think, um, you know, I think that just to remind ourselves the importance of the sacred centre, whether it's the holy well in our tradition or whether it's the mountain or whether in the Gaelic tradition, we do not pilgrim towards our, this is the, one of the things that Prunches McConaughey, the great um, myth, myth, uh, Celtic scholar has highlighted. We do not pilgrim towards our destination. We pilgrim around it. What's important is central. So therefore we walk around the well. The well represents the axis mundi, the threshold between this place and the other world, this world and the other world. The tree down at, say, Ballyvorney in County Cork at St. St. Gubnet's Shrine is that people walk around is again the axis mundi between this world and the other world. Here in Glendalough we have St. Kevin's Well and the tree beside it and people come and they do not journey towards it, they walk around it. They yeah. walk around and circle what's important. Yeah. The same with Tara, the Hill of Tara. Yeah. So even Ireland is divided into four, five provinces traditionally. Yeah. We say in the Irish language, Cúiga, the fifth, yeah. right? Yeah. Cúiga, Moon, Cúiga, Line. So you have Ulster, Munster, Leinster and Connacht and the central province is the old province with Tara and Ushna and the old Meath. Yeah. Yeah. And the king would would do that journey around the sacred centre. Yeah. So the centre is important. Now in our tradition all around the country we, we circle these holy wells. Now if you go back into the pre-Christian tradition you see what Caesar comments on the Celts. He says the Celts do not build temples to their gods because the great God cannot be contained. They believe the great God cannot be contained in a building. They worship outdoors at wells and groves. So we're still doing that when we do our holy well devotion.
David Norris reads a Brendan Behan poem. The Jackines Lament for the Blaskets, translated by Donna MacDonough. The sea will be under the sun like an empty mirror. No boat under sail, no sign of a living sinner, and nothing reflected but one golden eagle, the last, on the edge of the world beyond the lonely blaskets. The sun will be setting, the shadows of night dispersing as the rising moon shines down through the sea-cold night cloud. Her long, bare fingers stretch down to the empty earth and the houses fallen and ruined and broken apart. The only sounds, the hush of the birds' soft feathers skimming over the water, returning safe and together, and the wind as it sighs and softly swings the half-door, mourning a hearth that is cold forevermore. The next part of the programme, actor Mick Lally reads St. Mansion's Prayer. My wish, a son of the living God, ancient, eternal king, is for a secret hut as my dwelling in the wilderness, grey, shallow water at its side, a clear pool for the cleansing of sin by the grace of the Holy Spirit, a lovely wood close by, around it at every side, to foster the birds of many voices. George McClafferty of the Glendalough Interpretive Centre explains the importance of Glendalough. First of all, the valley is actually a glaciated U-shaped valley which was carved out during the Ice Age and it left behind two lakes in the valley and it's a very beautiful place and you can understand why St Kevin decided to come here in the middle of the 6th century and found a monastery in the valley with a small group of monks. Now, the monastery became so famous because of the miracles associated with St Kevin that it began to grow and it soon became one of the most important monasteries in Ireland. The monastery was attacked a number of times by the Vikings in the 9th and 10th centuries, but it continued on through its golden age of the 10th, 11th and 12th centuries when the main buildings which we see here today were built. In the time of Kevin, the buildings were built of wood and it was only in the 10th century that the tradition of building in stone was brought in from Europe. And in the 16th century, it was finally closed down under the Reformation, the dissolution of the monasteries, which was carried out by Henry VIII. The same thing that happened to all of the monasteries right across England, Wales and Scotland. The monastery would have been closed down, all of the lands would have been taken away and given to some of his soldiers. Glendalough had acted as almost like a university because the sons of the noblemen and that from Europe were sent here to be educated by the monks. So as well as having its religious side, it had a very, very important educational value. Seamus Heaney reads his poem about St. Kevin of Glendalough, County Wicklow. The saint is kneeling, arms stretched out inside his cell. But the cell is narrow, so one turned-up palm is out the window, 
stiff as a crossbeam, when a blackbird lands and lays in it and settles down to nest. Kevin feels the warm eggs, the small breast, the tucked neat head and claws, and finding himself linked into the network of eternal life, is moved to pity. Near FM Drama Company read poems written by local Bayside Writers Group Angel and Gemini by Eddie Phillips and Ghost Orchid by Jennifer Brady. Ghost Orchid by Jennifer Brady. It was always there in the forest. How it took so long to find hidden among the trees and shrubs. A delicate white blossom so perfectly formed. It took you years of searching the tropical rainforest, the dark and innermost sanctuary. And when the leaves parted and you came to that spot where the sun filtered through the trees, you found me, the very alluring, the very shy ghost orchid. An Angel Appears by Eddie Phillips An angel appears inside my space at my shoulder, which places me within the span of her wings, accepted and welcomed. Just once under her wing of dove white, then beholding randomly in my vision, beholding eyes that pour peace into the heart, beholding eyes with messages for a legion soul. An angel appears and tells not one thing about herself, eternally humble. I could keep company with her forever. Identical by Eddie Phillips The mistake you make with me is you know you know me so you opine within earshot about what meets the eye, the substance, without realising I'm a Gemini. You talk about one twin in the presence of the other. You have to watch and listen for the teamwork. Yes, we're a formidable team, Gem and I. Okay, so do you know any, like, religious sites in Ireland? Skellig Michael, Kirk Pastry. Glenstall Abbey. Glendalock. <laughs> Fawn McNoise. There's Tintern Abbey in Wexford. They've been Tintern Abbey a good few times. We go there a lot. It's the first few times we, we go for the tour, like to go around and see where the monks stayed and all the things they built. It's all built around underwater um, dungeons and lakes so that they could transport things secretly. And you can still see a few of like the entrances around the place. Skellig Michael. It's on a remote Atlantic island when the famous beehive foot on it. And it's very like steep. Um Star Wars was filmed there, no. <laughs> <laughs> um monks they went over and because it was a very isolated island and very difficult to get to, um it was a good place to set up monasteries and I think the beehive or they were made out of stone and they're in a beehive shape. I think those are the types of places the monks would live in. So they'd go there and they didn't really want to be bothered. They didn't want to be raided because monks made very valuable things. Crow Patrick. 
where Patrick climbed up and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and then came back down. Do you know who destroyed the ancient Irish monasteries? Vikings. Um, I'm going to go with the Normans. Vikings. The British, basically. Would have been the, probably the Norsemen. Cromwell, was it? Cromwell. It was Cromwell. Henry, Henry didn't like Irish, the, the Catholics. Ireland is known as the island of saints and scholars. Would you know why? Well, uh, hundreds of years ago, the Europeans used to send their children over to Ireland, to, over with the monks, where they'd educate them on everything, and they'd learn how to read and write so they wouldn't be illiterate, so they could actually get a proper job rather than just being a farmer. The saints were basically like the monks, and they, were, they educated the students which came over and they became scholars. Then by the 15th century they held precariously to the pale The invaders were more Irish than the Irish, that's the tale A fat greedy king called Henry's dick was bigger than his brain Imposed the reformation, confiscating usurpation We include poems of best-known Irish poets and writers including W.B. Yeats, Patrick Kavanagh and Samuel Beckett. Poplars and Poplar Memory by Patrick Kavanagh My father dreamt forests. He is dead. And there are poplar forests in the waste places and on the banks of drains. When I look up, I see my father peering through the branched sky. I walked under the tall poplars that my father planted on a day in April when I was a boy, running beside the heap of saplings from which he picked the straightest spears of sky. The sun was shining that day as he shone for the Thuha de Danan, and no one was old or sad, for life was just beginning. To a Blackbird by Patrick Kavanagh. O pagan poet, you and I are one. In this we lose our god at set of sun. And we are kindred when the hill wind shakes, sweet song like blossoms on the calm green lakes. We dream while earth's sad children go slowly by, pleading for our conversion with the Most High. The One by Patrick Kavanagh. Green, blue, yellow and red. God is down in the swamps and marshes, sensational as April, and almost incredible the flowering of our catharsis. A humble scene in a backward place where no one important ever looked. The raving flowers looked up in the face of the one and the endless, the mind that has balked the profoundest of mortals. A primrose, a violet, a violent wild iris, but mostly anonymous performers, yet an important occasion as the muse at her toilet, prepared to inform the local farmers that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful God was breathing his love by a cutaway bog. Da 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 da
We've come to the end of this program. You have been listening to new perspectives on Irish history, dreams, themes, myth and ecology, part of the Sound and Vision series of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. I'm John Houghton, and I would like to thank all those who took part in this program and the research and production team, myself, Paul Loughran, Alan Weldon and Neil Doyle. This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland.